What's up, ladies and gentlemen? You're listening to New Hill Talks, a podcast for the members and regular tenders of New Hill Church. My name is Michael Meadows. I'm the lead pastor at New Hill Church. I'm Gary Fox, assistant pastor, assistant to the pastor of New Hill Church. Mark Sherry, one of the members. We got two guests with us. We may as well just go around this table here. Oh, Jeremy Dubois, member. Uh, ben Major. I'm just hanging out. Just hanging out. There you go. Member, you, you could hit it with the member of the month. Um, over Mark, you should have done that. That that's totally a Gary thing to do. <laughs> it's a low ball. Um, by the way, I know we're already recording, but uh, especially with the, the background noise, if you guys hear that, we're just trying to get ventilation so uh, we don't get smoked. Should we out try here. to turn it down. Um, like there's a there's a there's a dial. So two knobs. Anyways, we are. Uh, if you guys are listening to this the day it drops, it's Good Friday. Um, it's good because there's uh, something good that happened um, on this day many, many, many years ago, and it's something to celebrate. It seems sad in the moment, but it's very good, and um, that just kind of leads us. It's, it's Easter, the week of uh, the Resurrection Sunday, uh, a lot to celebrate, Passion Week, Holy Week, whatever you want to call it. Um, a lot of events transpired on this week. Actually, um, a lot is written about this week in the Gospels, like you see it in its many chapters, whereas some of Jesus's other parts of his life are much shorter than just this week. Um, so a lot to, to discuss, and uh, I just want to open it up first with what is your all's like favorite um, Easter tradition? Now we can go secular here. If there's something with your family, like there's, there's something you like, don't feel bad. Um, but if it's like a reading of scripture, uh, it's cool too. Well, it's not technically Easter, but um, I remember uh, growing up in our church on Palm Sunday. Yeah. They would have a, uh, they, all the kids would get palm branches and they would play like, uh, I don't know, what, what type of music? Like it was like, just, triumphant. I don't know. Yeah, why very triumphant. I don't know. Well, you kind of, well, you know. What do you listen to, Mark? And then they would play some. Charismatic. And the kids, we'd all, yeah. Well, we would do, do you want a Jericho marches? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, around we us. Did that. We did that. So, like, yeah. it was a kind of our own Baptist version of the Jericho March, but we'd all be waving palm branches. And that was, like, a big, like, that was, like, something to look forward to every year. Uh, that's an old-time um, tradition for me. Okay, cool. Kids actually did that on Sunday. Not, I don't know about, like, the marches and stuff, but we gave out palm branches. Oh, yeah. The littles class, so. What about you, Mark? I know we keep it simple. We do candy baskets and egg hunts for the kids. And then we reiterate every year, why are we celebrating today? And the kids say, because of Jesus. And then we have to remind them it's because of the resurrection. And we have to rehash it all back up. But they're, they're starting to, it's starting to become reinforced in their minds okay, year cool. after year. Yeah. How about you, Dubois? Uh, we used to do that uh, when I was a kid. We used to have uh, a hunt in the morning for, it wasn't eggs, but they'd hide like a couple small things around our living room. And as we were trying to find them, they'd tell us everything about the resurrection, all that stuff. Uh, <clears throat> I think it's cool what some members of the church here do when they go and egg someone's house. <laughs> they they wrote <laughs> they say egg in their house, but they actually just hide eggs in the front yard. But yeah. they write they write on there. There's 30 eggs. Don't be discouraged when you have an empty egg. The empty egg signifies. Um, Jesus empty tomb. I liked so it. Yeah, they got they got my yard and it was just all empty eggs. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there was only one empty tomb, guys. Come on out. How about you, Ben? Um, you know we do the whole candy 
baskets thing with the kids and everything, but I think my favorite part about Easter, aside from what it represents, is seeing family that I don't normally see. Yeah. Like, I have cousins that I see once or twice a year, and, like, that's kind of the day that we get together, so I think for me that's a gathering with people that I don't always get to see is a big part. Yeah, definitely. No, I hear you. Real quick, Mark, because I want to hear what you were going to say, but I was just thinking about a weird tradition that my wife has brought into our family that comes from her side. They got presents on Easter. They would get like almost like little mini Christmas. So when I was a kid, it was like, here's your little basket, you know, some chicks are in there and some things. No, no, not now. We have to have presents, like little toys and stuff like that, which I'm like, I gave up. So when you're the dad, you know, you some things you've got to give up on, right? I just gave up on it. But that's a weird thing that my wife has got my kids now thinking they're going to get something for Easter. Should tell them it's a new place to live. It's a yeah, so right. Year, don't tell them that you're moving that week. Just be like, we got you guys a new place to live. It's not just like leave it like Christmas, that. but it's like one or two toys in the stupid thing. It's like, come on. I so my favorite thing yeah. is uh, getting my kids presents and wrapping them up on Easter. So you really? We <laughs> no. gotta talk. No, um, I actually Aubrey wasn't even gonna do anything for them this year, <laughs> and said she just saw like a, a few cute knickknacks. The next thing you know, there's like two little baskets so uh, my favorite thing is actually uh, now dressing up with the family like yeah. Maylee, Maylee like loves dressing up anyways so this like gives it purpose for us to like kind of coordinate it a little bit better um, but then like tell like you get to like turn it in to the gospel presentation like the resurrection like what are we what are we dressing up for it's like a little bit more special and it's not like Jesus's funeral we're talking about we're talking about like almost like you know the second birth right like Jesus Defeated death in the grave. Are you telling the staff to uh, dress up on Easter? I'm not. Actually, I will. I want to. You're going to love what I'm wearing. A robe? It's going to look like a rope. A robe. A robe. Uh, I was going to talk to him about, yeah. (laughs) No. You're going to have a vestment. No, no, no. Oh, you're going to love it. Don't be a bow tie. Don't be a bow tie. Don't be a bow tie. You should do bow tie. Nelson, Nelson, if you're listening to this, you've already been texted, but wear your bow tie this Sunday. It's going to be epic. And make sure your bow tie is in the shape of an egg. That'll be awesome. No, make it oversized like a bunny. Like, like, like you know, uh, the Easter bunny. All right. One, one more quick thing. Go around the horn. Uh, favorite Easter candy. Reese's eggs for me. Easy. Yep. Reese's eggs. Oh, oh. And uh, sorry. The, the trolls, the sour worms that they do, oh, they make man. little jelly bean eggs. And they're in the, the size of an egg. Oh, they're awesome. You like bite into it, it's like jelly bean on the outside, and you get on the inside, and it's like got that texture. Woo! It's good. Gourmet jelly beans. The good ones. The tropical Those are good, yeah. Like the Harry favorite. Potter ones. Like some of them taste like puke. Some I of them didn't taste know like. They came out with the. Oh, you're talking about the. Uh, Sorry. Like bean boozled. Yeah, almost. bean boozled. No, do not like those. I'm a fundamentalist, and we don't do Harry Potter. I'm sorry, what? Did you guys. Were you guys. At, no, your, we were never allowed to watch it. Heck no! But. He definitely binge watched it in college. So. Oh yeah, I definitely what, caught up on. But you know what I'm saying? Fundamentalists, like we were like, no way. All right, Mr. Harry Fundamental, what's, what's your candy? I know eggs. Like, eggs? The, um, just starting hard boiled eggs. Hard boiled eggs, like a Baptist. I don't even peel them anymore. I don't even peel them. Purple or no? I like the the Reese's, Reese's eggs, okay. man. I mean, I kill them. Cadbury eggs. Cadbury eggs. Oh, wow. I'm with nice. Jeremy on this. That's uh, I. Get pretzel sticks and like break them open and dip them. it's oh, really wow. I have a weird you know I'm a candy oh, guy. Nice. I'm more of an animal. So if anybody wants to bless the men of this podcast, 
you can give us your leftovers on Sunday. <laughs> um, anyways, that's great. Uh, what we wanted to do this week, uh, first off, I want to apologize. I deleted by accident our last episode before it got posted. Um, so question 19 and 20 of part one of the New City Catechism was, um, will our pretty much sin and idolatry um, go unpunished? Uh, the answer is no. The question 20 was, um, is who is the Redeemer? Because uh, question 19's answer had, well, we need a Redeemer. Nothing will go unpunished, but there's hope in our Redeemer. The Redeemer is Jesus Christ. He satisfies the wrath of God for his people. Um, therefore, your, your punishment has been uh, taken on by Jesus on the cross, uh, fully innocent, fully God, fully human, um, and taking our punishment, satisfying the wrath of the Father um, so that we could be forgiven. And it really leads us into, again, Resurrection Week, Passion Week, Holy Week, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I, I wanted to take a little bit to a little bit of time to talk about the events that that transpired on Holy Week. And where does it really start? Where does Holy Week start? What's the first event, Mark? Yeah. So I tried to do kind of a as far as the harmony of the Gospels. I, I feel to me it seems like such a complicated task that easy. a lot of scholars have put a lot of time into so I just I rely on them and I actually wrote down kind of a uh, beginning and all the way through chronology just one sentence summary of each day of the week and it starts with uh, the Sunday before the resurrection where Jesus fulfills scripture by his triumphal arrival in Jerusalem he is received by the people and rejected by the leadership and last time he had been there, Michael, was John 11 when he raised Lazarus from the dead, which further infuriated the leadership because he's threatening their supposed position of authority. Yeah, you start raising the dead, that'll, that'll, that'll do it. It's going to make the dead angry. <laughs> well, I mean, it'll... They're spiritually dead angry. Well, I'm saying, like, you imagine, like, oh, Jesus raised the dead. What did you do, uh... You know what I mean? Like Caiaphas. Yeah, Caiaphas, what can you do? Nothing. You know, I mean it really that when he starts doing that kind of stuff, it was like a foregone conclusion that we've got to get him out of here. Because this is this is unstoppable what he's doing. Still didn't stop him. No. Oh, no. But that was their thinking. You can understand the logic. Well and, and that's the thing too. We're not getting into like gifts now, but like a big part of like why you see those things happen in the apostolic period, like healing the sick and and the th the miraculous healings and uh, signs that they performed um, was an establishment of uh, the kingdom. Like, well, yeah, and and this and might get this might get this, this all mill guy going over like talking about establishing the kingdom, but um, it, it's it's totally true because people wonder like. Well, like those things happen then. Why don't they happen now? And it's it's not that they don't happen now, but there was a reason they were happening happening at a rapid level. Is because oh, you thought Jesus was done. Like you even look at uh, who was it who was walking in? Um, was it James, John, and James? They were walking in uh, to the temple and the the lame beggar, and they said, "We don't have money, but we got something better." P Peter, Peter, yeah, Peter, so yeah, Peter and I have none, but such I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Yeah, and you think about these guys, it's like, I thought we ended this. Mm. Like, and it's still Yeah, because they were doing it in the name of Jesus. Yeah. So it wasn't even like, nah. They weren't taking credit. I'm the, I'm, I'm the uh, right, I'm the successor to Jesus. I'm Peter, follow me. Mm. He wasn't saying that. He was right. saying, I'm doing this in the name of Jesus. 
Mm-hmm. So it's like Jesus is doing it. It's Jesus. Well, even John the Baptist. I mean, you look at like the one before and then those after Jesus. It's like even John tried to like, hey, I'm doing this, but it, behold, mm-hmm. you know, the one who takes away the sin of the world. Like mm-hmm. he was pointing them like, don't follow me. Like that's the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, so we're talking about and these. Just, sorry, just to kind of, when, I mean, isn't there a certain eschatological aspect to, you know, the the resurrection commencing, you know, the end times mm-hmm. in that God is bringing the state of perfect consummation into the, the you know, temporal time where all those prophecies of, um, you know, resurrection and life and health, they're trickling into space and time. Right. With the coming of Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection. So there is an eschatological, and, and we all, I think we yeah, all Yeah, the new that. aeon is yeah. dawning. Right? Yeah, I mean, I agree. Just not fully with you. With your, <laughs> well, not on those <laughs> on the points, but you would agree. Right, that, right yeah. 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 No, for sure. I, that's what, you know, we've talked about a little bit, like off the podcast, like out before and after recordings, is uh, when we get into these discussions. Gary uh, has mentioned it's so tough to be in like a box. It's like you're like in one of these camps and I feel like I'm in between camps. Like not necessarily looking to join one camp or the other. Like I see like beauty in several different sides of um, different views of eschatology. Even Jeremy and I have been talking a little bit um, about the discussions we've had with you. Um, where you're right, where you're wrong, you know, like where we Mostly fall. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, you're right until you die. I mean, and yeah. then you then yeah. you find out. That's my line. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so um, a little bit of uh, history, real quick. I'll, I'll pass it to our history buff um, buffs. One of you two, explain Passover real quick, because Passover would have been um, last Friday, a week ago, is when Passover would have started. Correct. Well, no. Technically, yeah. We follow... Okay. So explain. I think (laughs) we celebrate Easter messed up. I think the Eastern Orthodox tradition, which is... is, I'm not Eastern Orthodox for a reason, but they have that right. Hmm. Do you understand? Do you guys even familiar with the history of why why the Eastern Orthodox celebrate Easter almost never the same week as the West does? The West, I don't even know. Boy, I wish I, sh- I should have looked this in. Look, in. look into it. The West decided to follow, like, the solstice and this and that. The Eastern Orthodox follows the actual pattern of Passover, which doesn't change. The Jewish Passover is where, how they're, is when they, as they use the Passover as their timeline with when they're going to do Easter. So that's why it doesn't match up with ours. Which I think, I don't know why the West got away from that. What, what's wrong with that? Because Jesus did, as you said, this is all corresponding with Passover, which is a celebration of, of, of God punishing and judging the wicked Egyptians for refusing to let uh, the, the Hebrew slaves go. So um, for timeline, are we saying Passover wasn't Friday and then Sunday was the triumphal entry? Well, Passover it, was Friday. It, it was you're saying the Friday before he came into. So when I'm saying timeline, like saying, not necessarily like April, like whatever, but like right. so timeline of events. Yeah, Passover, it was the Last Supper, right? In, Passover, yeah, so th- Thursday. Yeah. That'd been Thursday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the night before his crucifixion. Right, yeah. right. So 
Sorry. So our Easter, I, I would we, argue, but, but our we Easter put, should If be. you look on like calendars, they say Passover already happened. It may have. Sometimes, the, sometimes the West follow almost by coincidence, pretty much follows the East. Sometimes Easter is the same time. A lot of times it's not. Have you ever noticed that Easter sometimes is early, sometimes it's late. This that it's not like the, it's not like Christmas, December twenty fifth. Boom, that's Christmas. That is true. Every it year. Come different. So wait, you're saying the West says it happened the week before? They I'm say does it? No, 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 no. They're not saying they're. Everyone's in agreement as to when it happened. Okay. The West okay. just celebrates it. I see. I see. On uh, it has something to do with like the. Are you looking it up? So this is what yeah. God answers. So, so this is what I was trying to say. Passover began this year. March 27th, yes. last, like Friday. this past Friday. Um, yeah, Saturday, shoot, yes. Saturday, and then it'll end on Easter, mm. Sunday. Um, ends the evening of uh, Sunday, April 4th. So what I was saying is Passover would have began that Saturday, triumphal entry the next day. No, I don't, I don't think that's correct. All right, now, I don't, now can you explain why? Because the West celebrates Easter. So if that's the case this year... It's quote unquote by coincidence. It's not by design. Like the West does not follow e or, uh, Passover to determine when we're going to celebrate Easter. The West, or the East does. Eastern churches do. Yeah, this is just it says observed by Jewish people, and this is their holiday this year. Right. So you're saying it's coincidence. Some years it may be that way. Let me hold on. You guys start talking. I'm, let me look something up here. No, now we're all looking up. I can't. Yeah, I can't stop between. between Western and Eastern. Uh, Listeners, I'm East. sorry, we we don't cut things out here. No. We just we keep it in. So here you go, Gary. Let me let me explain this to you. Okay. Next year, Passover begins April fifteenth. Easter is that Sunday, so Passover will actually happen after our Easter. So that's what you're saying. Yeah, like you're, it you're says saying, here, you're saying it's by chance this year that it falls. Yeah. Did you know that it says there's two different dates for Easter, the Easter holiday? There is one for the Catholic Church, which would be us, like Western Universal. churches. Yeah. And one for the Orthodox churches. That's Eastern. On rare occasions, the two dates fall on the same day. The reason behind the different dates comes down to the church and the modern-day calendar. Um, let's see here. If I get a quick... Passover always begins on the 15th day of the Hebrew month of Nisan. And because the Hebrew months are pegged directly to lunar cycle, the 15th day of Nisan is almost always a full moon. So I wonder if that's how we coordinate that. It has to do with the Vernal, like in the West. Do you guys want me to read this? Pretty sure it has to do with solstice, right? Yeah. yeah. It says, I'll, let me just read this. Uh, Easter is the day members of the Christian faith recognize the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It is a celebration of life and new beginnings. In 325 AD, the church held the first ecumenical council known as the Council of Nicaea. Prior to council, that council meeting, churches around the world celebrated Easter at various times. In order to bring unity among the churches, council members created a formula that would calculate the date for Easter celebration around the world. They established Easter to be held on the first Sunday that occurs after the first full moon, which follows the vernal equinox, but always after Jewish Passover. To avoid any confusions in the date, it was also determined that the vernal equinox would fall on March 21st. This system would guarantee that all churches would celebrate Easter together on the same day. I mean, there's, there's a lot. My point is, Easter. I think the East does it better. 
I think I was just reading the exact same one. Were okay. you really? <laughs> so, so this year we happened to fall on the same line. Um, but no, I think Easter is. I think there's like a 13 day difference. No, this year there's not. East in the West are doing the same day. Yes. Like Passover, just like next year, like you can look it up. Easter falls two days after Passover begins. This year, um, Passover ends on Friday or Saturday, and then Easter is on Sunday. I just say bah humbug. Anyway, we're just talking about the events that transpired in the Bible, not how necessarily we do it. So then you have the triumphal entry, uh, which would have taken place on Sunday. We call that what? What do we call that day? Hosanna. Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. Yeah. What is uh, significant about um, the triumphal entry? Things that are significant for us to understand, um, to know, um, and help our faith maybe a little bit. Help to put Jesus in the perspective. I know the first thing that comes to mind for me, and this might not be the most important, uh, but it's a fulfillment of prophecy from Zechariah 9 that the king would come in riding lowly so the the arrangements with the the donkey were very very specific and so this is a fulfill jesus is fulfilling the scriptures that were prophesied that the king would come to his people in this way because i was raised in a fundamental baptist church we were told that he came riding in on a colt's ass yeah not a donkey colt yeah KJV language. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys realize how small that would have been too? Yeah. Yeah, he would it would have like yeah. The best illustration I've heard is um, us trying to like as adults ride our kids like little um, Jeep cars. Yeah. With those batteries. Or riding your, your, a dog. your knees end up in your chest. Riding your dog, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mark two point oh, dog would have been like a real cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was it was Oh man. Um you would think the king triumphant, triumphantly, did I say that right? We make up triumphantly. words. Triumphantly, riding into Jerusalem to fulfill prophecy, you'd think he'd be riding in on a white, white stallion, yeah. like some powerful procession, but that is not the way he came in. And it was a fulfillment of prophecy. Um, and he did come riding in on a, a small donkey, and um, which is... <laughs> I mean, it was almost... I mean, can you imagine what they were thinking? Can you imagine what the guy who owned the cult was thinking? That's an interesting thing. Jesus told them, go, and if, if he asks you why you're loosening the thing, he says the master has need of him. Yeah. There's been some... There, that's an interesting study. Did that guy... Did Jesus tell that guy up front, I'm going to send people to come get this mm-hmm. thing? Or did he, by the Spirit somehow, just know that it was okay? Because they were stealing his donkey. You know They're what I mean? Like, hold on, hold on. Is it stealing when all things are the Lord's? Well, how would he That's know? Point, but how would he know? I don't think he was stealing a donkey. <laughs> no, no, like no, no, not Jesus. I'm saying from his the, perspective, the disciples take if Jesus is like, I can't sin, guys. But you're out there working, no. and these guys come up. And That's start, a joke. By the they way, come and they start untying your donkey, right? Yeah. Yeah. What would you think? Uh, hey, fella, what are you doing? Right. You know what I mean? Right. And then they say the master has need of it, so it's been. It's actually an interesting little side study. Like, do we think Jesus pre-planned that, talked to the guy, or did was it a miracle that somehow the guy, that's all he needed to hear, I'm just gonna, said, I'm gonna, take it? I'm going to think it was some work of the Spirit that, yeah, definitely told him. I don't know that Jesus like went to him like, hey, Brother Bob, like, next week I'm boy, boys are going to be by next week. And, um, <laughs> pick up my colt. <laughs> they're going to pick up my colt, yeah. 
Well, and this this is very this is consistent with you know you talked about misconceptions what the Jews were expecting for their conquering king to come in, and but the whole first coming was counterintuitive to yes. their thinking, and even you you look at. You know, not to jump ahead, but everything from his, you know, trial, death, burial. I mean, they, it, it's all backwards in their minds. Yeah. It's, it's weakness, really, in the world's yes. eyes and, when it's the power of God. And everything that they thought was going to happen, his second coming when he establishes right. his millennial reign here on earth. It's gonna be, it, <laughs> yeah, it'll, be it'll be exactly that dog will hunt. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that dog will hunt. Like, I got a chart. Hold on. Let me show you guys. <laughs> Dispensational chart. I got a chart. My dad, bless his soul, he's with the Lord, waiting for the, his resurrection that we talked about this past Sunday. But, man, he was so happy to give me this big, I mean, you have to unfold this thing this year. Oh, you yeah. ever seen these things? Huge eschatology chart, man. He was, And it was dispensational, too. It wasn't just, you know what I mean? It wasn't just pre-mill. I mean, it was... This thing was done up, man. It had to take the guy years to do it. And I can fit mine in my wallet. It unfolds. It's very simple. <laughs> <laughs> it's like four words, basically. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, but no, Christ, yeah, his return. Um, I mean, you all, obviously, I'm millennial. That We want to be clear here. We, they believe that in the second coming of Christ. And yeah, I mean, there, there's so many consistencies. I think we would look at different passages different ways, but... Yeah, I mean, we, we both agree that, you know, you guys would emphasize the already, not yet aspect to it. Right. Where I would press more on the already. That this the already, is, this already. The, the already, already. And yes, there is a not yet, a consummation of the kingdom. But there's there's enough similarities to where I don't, I, I, you it's, know, I think it's, you an, it's, orthodox. it's yeah, an intermural yes. discussion. And, and like you said, you were in the middle, Michael, on the position. And I, and I appreciate that because I see value to each of those orthodox positions that I appreciate, things about it that I should appreciate. They, they add to the overall system on the second coming. Right. Yeah. So it's definitely a really interesting way that, you know, the Lord came in. And it is and, a contrast to how he returns. Yeah. Like it, on, it was on purpose. Right. Yes. That contrast. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, you look at the entire week and live by the sword, die by the sword. And it's like, Jesus was, I mean, submitting to the scriptures that had to be fulfilled. Like, you can't take, like, live by the sword, die by the sword um, to the point of, like, all of your life. Like, now, you, you may take a personal stance on, like, Jesus' peaceful week here of passion week i mean it's very peaceful i mean there were times where like we're going to get to the the garden here in a little bit but i mean jesus is submitting himself to to the the father's plan that had been set in motion before all of creation like so this is this is stuff that had to happen right. um and that's why for us as christians there's nothing sad about jesus's death um it was him taking his people's place right and i mean it's it's beautiful like so anyways Imagine so, if he would have, though, come in on a horse. Remember the context here. Well, that's what here, Judas Here did. he is. Yes. Here he has, um, as Mark said earlier, he's raised the dead. He's got these huge, massive crowds, right? I mean, they reacted, they reacted like big time, and he was on a donkey. Yeah. Had he come in on a horse, he could have caused them to revolt. Obviously, they're in full faith. I mean, he could have lightning bolts come out of his eyes. Twelve legions of angels. Yeah, he yeah. is already raised the dead. He's fed the five thousand. Yeah. He's so. You, I mean, I would follow that guy right into yeah. war. Yeah. I mean, man, this guy is supernatural. The zealots would have as well. Oh, so completely. They wanted to, mm -hmm. 
And the, the, the Pharisees, they were in a bad spot because they were the conservatives of their day. Um, and, and none of them liked the Roman rule. So they wanted to be the champions, right? right. But they couldn't condemn the people for... It was, that's why they had to kill him from their, their political thinking was maybe we can take the mantle from Christ and ride this momentum... They didn't call him Christ, Jesus, you know. They didn't want him to get the credit for it, but it was like a tinderbox that was going on right there. And he comes in on a donkey, and they start waving palm branches. All these are peaceful symbols that was intentional. And it was, it's better for one man to die, like Caiaphas' prophecy, unintentional, yes. to die for the nation awesome. than for the whole... Yeah, I mean, he had no idea what he was saying. Year, yeah. And God ordained No idea him. what he was saying. Yeah. Um, one more thing before we move off this, and just a quick answer. Can someone explain the palm branches for our listeners? They just threw them down like that was it? No meaning? What's the meaning? What's the significance of a palm branch? I've got no insights. It's based on time. your question, I'm thinking there are insights here. And I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of drawing a blank, too. Other than it's a peaceful uh, uh, There's some, sy- symbolism. Yeah, Roman analogy of... Putting palm branches down for a coming king. I, I don't yeah, know. Correlate that to like a red carpet now. But I yeah, know. I kind of. That's why I was going to think of it. Yep, that's it. Um, called them savior. Palm branches were considered symbols of victory and triumph at mm-hmm. the time. That's true. So not just peaceful, but victory. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, what Jesus was entering in to do uh, was to bring victory to his people, defeating death um, in the grave. So victory. Which makes their sadness at his death all the more striking because you're expecting this king to come in and conquer yes. the Romans, take over the world, and, and your savior death. is dead on a cross. And of all things. Salvation's lost. Yeah. Of all things, a cross was the most despised way to die. Let Barabbas go. Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> day two, you would have still thought he was going to do this. He goes into the temple on yeah. day two on Monday and clears it. Now, this is interesting because... With John specifically, you get the the cleaning, uh, clearing out of the temple early on. Mm. Uh, do you guys think this is two clearing of the temples, or do you think it's the same one? Because John doesn't necessarily go in order. If, if you I've, guys didn't know that, John is a little bit more. He gives you the purpose for his book. Um, right. it, it's not necessarily a a chronological, uh, chronological order kind of book. The, the, <laughs> the only reason I would say two um, is because the high priest in the Old Testament would need to go inspect a house for mold twice. So I tend to take mm. that it's that he went two separate occasions as the high priest of the nation to cleanse the temple, to cleanse the mold, which was cleansed in 70 AD. Yeah. Yeah. We when we preach through the Gospel of John, we I introduced it as two separate cleansing. Yeah. Cleansing I, I think so too. You could make an argument either way though, I think, but I do I tend to think it was two twice. Yeah. So he's he's flipping tables, um, hitting the whip, uh, was he whipping people or was he whipping their animals out of the temple? Yes. <laughs> Likely, yes. I think he was whipping anything got in his way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is a big point, too. Uh, and then we'll move on to the, the next day. I'm just I'm moving in order. I've got this pulled up on the Internet and just moving through uh, each day. And I know that we've, we've got a little agenda that you know, I sent out to you guys. Um, but you cannot take this the flipping of the tables there's a point where like yeah we we condemn the world we point them to their hope and their savior i say flip the tables in the church more often you flip it outside like when we meet when we when we begin to turn like a house of worship into a den of thieves like man there's there's so 
much reasoning behind that to like really kind of like almost like look nasty like the way you do it like church we should never if you're listening to this and like you need to pull over that's fine we should never never let our church family become this point like where it's just where the religious lost here at new hill church and they're taking taking advantage yeah of the religious authority that they had now imagine if we would have started a, a loan office out of our church during this past year people were yeah mark's already cringing this past year people were like facing the worst financial crisis of their lives um, some people have really been affected by this pandemic um, not necessarily by health what i'm saying is like financially like they're just hurt they've lost their jobs they can't pay for their house so then new hill says hey what we're gonna do is we're gonna like offer up some loans um, on your tithe and then we're gonna we're gonna you tithe and then we'll give you an interest but then we're gonna charge interest and i know that sounds confusing but that's what they were they were essentially tie, even more than that then tie salvation to it forgiveness yeah like so, if you don't do this not so if you've got the money great if not you still have to do it. We'll loan you the money so you get into heaven. Right. There was never a problem with them like selling the animals for the sacrifice. They were doing it inside, and they were doing it like you said. They were tying it to like uh, grace and like some form of it. Like you know, you're getting a little bit extra from it. That there's there's good reason to go flip tables. Like this isn't someone tells you that Jesus isn't God, and you like flip the table. Like right. People, Jesus says you're going to face persecution, so don't don't go flipping tables over that. Um, Let me ask Jeremy. He grew up similar church style and tradition as I did. Did your church ever bring in, like, say, for example, like a Southern Gospel singing group? Yeah. For special singings. Did they yeah, every ever? Every Sunday. Did they Did they ever come with like <laughs> we were the tapes Southern and CDs gospel. to sell? Yep. Did they do it outside? They did it in the lobby. Yeah. Yeah. They were not allowed to bring it into the sanctuary. Correct. Right. Yeah. Now I always thought that was weird. I didn't understand that. In our church, they had to set it up. There was like an outside kind of a porch area, and they'd have to do it out there, sell things out there. And it wasn't until I was older that I understood the reasoning behind that is that you don't sell things in God's house, was what I was told as a little kid. This is God's house. You don't sell things in God's house. And so they will sell it in the parking lot or whatever, but don't sell it in the church because of Jesus clearing the temple because they were selling these things in the temple. Now, some of this analogy falls apart because the church is not the temple and so forth. But sometimes when you hear about these goofy things that, I don't know if you want to call them fundamentalists or conservatives do in, in previous generations, sometimes I always go back, it's like, was that all foolishness? Is there any merit to what they were saying? Because yes. then you compare, <laughs> you, compare, you compare what goes on in a lot of megachurches now and so forth, but all being about money and taking from people exactly. and so forth. Yeah. You know, it's like the exact opposite. So maybe those old guys, maybe were a little too far with it, got a little too uh, stringent about the thing. But maybe there was a little bit of wisdom as to what they were doing. Mm -hmm. The principle of, we're here for worship. We're not here to sell things. This is not a business. Right. This and that's is a big thing, different. too. Can you think, like, all the animals, like what that would have made the temple smell like? And, oh, yeah. And, and they were doing it, and there's, there's a separate spots in the temple for like the Jews and the Gentiles, like right. the, the God-fearing people. And they weren't doing it in the Jewish part. Mm. You can actually like read, so it'd be like us having two separate spaces of worship for visitors and for, right. you know, for members. And we just make the visitor side like just this like, carnival. Yeah. And like literally, like not just smoke shows, like, you know, we got fog machines in there to like appease them and then like they get into the boring side. But like, literally making it smell like it hinders your worship big time and, and that was the whole purpose of what they were coming in to do and jesus is like sick of this yes yeah i'm all about it i hear you 
Um, on Tuesday, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Anything uh, significant there that you guys would like to hit on for our people to hear? The Olivet Discourse. Well, you don't want me com- commenting on so that. So tell us what my, happened from, at the Olivet Discourse. So, so from my take, I mean, they're walking by. You look at either Matthew 24 or Mark 14. I think if you look at Matthew 21 through 24, you're seeing this build up where, you know, he is, he is bringing covenant sanctions that the people have broken the covenant. They, you know, judgment is coming. And they're walking by the temple, and they say, oh, look at this beautiful building. And he right. says, hey, not one stone is going to be left upon another. And that, that you can actually, there's a lot of interesting places from Matthew 21 to 24 that you would <coughs> think refer to that, that really do. And in 70 AD, his word comes true, yep. where he, he returns in judgment. Um, and, and everybody agrees, most people agree that at least parts of that Matthew 24 refer to that. Oh, but for he, sure. He, he is cleansing the temple uh, physically. He's doing it verbally. And then one day, you know, take this mountain and throw it into the sea. Right. That happens. That happens where not one stone is left upon another. Right. Then you come to Wednesday. Holy Wednesday, as this article says. What happened on Wednesday? He's anointed for his burial. Yeah. I don't know if we know exactly what all went on Wednesday. We don't. We don't. Do you guys not have that, that he was uh, by Martha or uh, Mary of... So I see... So what I've seen, again, even when we went through... We've we've done like a Passion Week series, too, um, where I think we were outside... It might have been the Gospel of John, but I think it was outside of it. But we did it leading up to... So like each week up till Easter, we were going through Passion Week. And Wednesday, I mean, it's up for dispute. Yeah. Uh, or at least discussion, not dispute. Mm-hmm. Just discuss. Um, so, what do you think happened, Mark? So, so I would be on the side of Gary. Like, I, I'm not 100 percent sure. We're not like it's not, it's not clear. Conclusive. But what do you think well, could I, have happened? I, I I think that's where he might visit Simon's house. Yeah. And Mary of Bethany brings like a 20k worth perfume set and just lavishes on him. Right. And every you know the greedy people are infuriated. And he said, Hey, she she did this for my burial. Yeah. This is predicted, you know. That this is kind of a premonition, it's a prophet, a, almost a, a prophecy, prophecy yeah, yeah. That that I'm going to Being die and death, and and I'm I'm worthy, right? Right. She did this out of the <clears throat> love that she had for him. So I, again, I could be wrong. I'm not dogmatic. That's a, kind that. of a traditional view for sure. Mm-hmm. It's just I, it hasn't been. It's it's hard to say for that for pot, absolute being positive is yeah. that that happened on that Wednesday. It happened. We just never there, sure. There, there is an art that I've never mastered about putting the chronology. I mean, it is, it is challenging. I and mean, when you have so many different scholars disagreeing, it's like, ugh. Yeah. Right. And then day five, Thursday, is where it gets like super busy, like real yep. busy, like jam packed. Thursday's got a lot going on. Uh, Thursday's where we see uh, the Last Supper uh, with Jesus. We get into the garden. Um, that was Passover. Yep. We're here. Uh, Passover and Last Supper, same day, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you got Passover happening. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of like anything else. High priestly prayer, John seventeen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You wanna? Do you have that pulled up? John seventeen. John seventeen's long, isn't it? It's very long. Yeah. You don't yeah. need to read. He it. prays for you. You immediately he, put your phone down. You're like, I'm not about to read this. He, he prays for the <laughs> unity of his people as the high priest delivers his blessing that the Father would unite them. 
Make them as no, one. Make them as, as one. Is that his prayer? So in the garden? The father are as one. No, that would be before the garden. Okay, so that's yeah. before the that's, garden. Uh, that's the day John 17 is where he says, garden. is it John 17, 17, sanctify them in truth, your yes. word is truth? Yeah. So he's like really like laying the ground. Yeah. Um, right. For, it's, all, it's all culminated. Yeah. yeah. It's praying for us. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So uh, you have that prayer. Um, let's get into uh, the Last Supper. Um, noteworthy things uh, to know about the Last Supper. What was happening? Just guys hanging out, shooting the breeze. Hey guys, I'm about to leave you. Here's our last meal. Bye bye. Came from for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He he, he you know announces his betrayer Judas. Yep. The one who was going to kiss him and betray him. Um, Peter doesn't want to. Um, oh man, that was that was John 13. But yeah, he announces uh, betrayer, and he's basically setting forth a practice, an ordinance for the church. Right. That the body was going to be representative of his. Uh, the bread was going to be representative of his body, and the blood was going to be, or the wine was going to be representative of his blood right. uh, that he was about to shed on the cross. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he instituted, yeah, and he said, the next time I do this with you, it'll be in my kingdom. What? No, I would, I, there, there are some interpretations that, um, well, yeah, never mind. No, yes. go for it. No, go well, ahead. So, go ahead so, and share. Yeah, I mean, you, you got think that's seconds. talking about the consummation, but some have said that um, the Lord shares with us in our communion in the early church where he is tasting of, you know, the, the church is tasting and him with them of that communion. So, again, I'm not So, I'm like not transubstantiation? Sold. No, no, no. He's no, there. Not, not transubstantiation. Not consubstantiation either. Uh, I'd say means of grace, not what Wouldn't those doctrines, those, that way of thinking, they'll go kind of harmonize with that in other words it, it, it could but it doesn't have to it, it doesn't have to um you know there's what four different views of communion you have the roman catholic transubstantiation you have consubstantiation um, which you the Lutherans teach yeah you have the zwingli where it's merely memorial and then you have more of the uh kind of calvin view which is it's a spiritual means of grace where the spirit takes us up spiritually into heaven and we feast on christ by faith which is where i land so would you, uh, if you were visiting a Lutheran church and they passed out communion, would you participate? It, pro- probably not, just to be honest. I, I can't. Either. I think consubstantiation is too close to transubstantiation. Right. And it's just semantics, in my opinion. Right. But you feel like participating in that would be a step too far? Yeah, per- personally. So does it matter the house that you're in and what they're saying about it versus what you believe and feel when you're doing it. What I would be be hesitant to do would be to to in any way uh, give the impression that I'm approving of what's happening right now. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. It's not your heart. It's the approval of what's going on. Right. It's like attending a a gay wedding in a sense like... You're you're giving approval of what's you're giving your blessing by your presence. Yeah. <laughs> Something you want to comment on, Michael? So, are you sure, by the way, that the uh, high priestly prayer was before the Lord's Supper? I, I could be wrong. I think, no, no, that was in the Garden of Gethsemane. The high priestly prayer. It, so John, John's not in chronological order per se. True. But it is here. It has the high priestly prayer. John 17 happens after the supper. 
Uh, you, you could be right. I, uh, well, I just want to make sure because I thought that was his prayer in the garden. I thought the high priestly prayer was in the garden. Yeah, oh, for sure it was. Yeah, but that was on that was that night later. That Which would have been after. It technically prayer. could have started on. Depends on how we see the ancient Jew. That, this is part of the problem with the dating of some of this stuff, or when we think about like Christ being in the grave three days and so forth. They they looked at days as sun up to sundown. So from our perspective, this high priestly prayer or that time in the garden could have happened at 11 o'clock at night where you and I would have said, okay, that's still Thursday. What's well, like Jesus, yeah. So what you're saying, put it in the perspective. Maybe you've wondered in the grave three days, but he was buried Friday evening and then Sunday. So you're thinking Saturday, Sunday, that's, that's two. Like, but Friday right. was a separate day from, like as soon as it hit night, that starts a new day. Mm-hmm. So one, two, and then you get to three really fast when you right. go by, yeah, their days. Mark, were you going to say something? No, I'm, I'm just trying to figure it out. I don't, I'm not convinced it was in the garden, but it could have been. Okay. Uh, and again, like I said, I was just, I was curious. So um, one of the things that I, I did want to talk about a little bit was uh, Jesus in the garden. Um, he is going through a lot. There's agony. Yeah. Yeah. Agony. Um, would you say anxiety? Yeah, the non-sinful anxiety. Yeah. So, can you explain that? That's what I wanted to get into. Like what what, is, what what's, the, what's, it's, what's the difference in non-sinful anxiety and well, sinful anxiety? You can you can go through anguish and you know mental torment um, without doubting God, mm. um, and you can do that while doubting God. He did that with full trust in His Father that His will. Kind of like lamenting, right? Like pouring out like your brokenness, yeah. and it's like. Yeah. I mean, you look at like some of the uh, Psalms of lament, and then at the very end, you always get this: "We God, I turn it over to you. I trust you." It's like right. all this like crying out, um, heartbreak, really. Um, yeah. You know, David a lot of times like super mad, like at his situation, but he trusted God. Right. So yeah. that's a good point. Now, interesting scientific stuff: he sweat blood. Mm-hmm. What is that called? Uh, I've got it pulled up. Yeah, and I'm gonna a word for that. butcher Chemo. it. Just like I can't, I cannot say uh, the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane. <laughs> I, I got it there. Gethsemane. It's like spaghetti. Geth- when we Gethsemane. Gethsemane. Geth. Gethsemane. He sounds like a native speaker. Gethsemane. Like an Italian native speaker. Gethsemane. Uh, anyway, <laughs> it's called uh, hematidrosis. Yeah, come on, medical man. Hematidrosis. You ever encounter anybody experiencing this? No. Not yet? Luckily, I haven't had that. Not yet. yet. It's so rare. <laughs> Just put a um, Band-Aid everywhere. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh. No, I have So, nothing. what'd you say? Nothing. Nothing. I, said, I, I don't know anything. Oh, you didn't have a point. No, okay. <laughs> I did to get um, <laughs> So, yeah, this can happen. So, it's it's interesting, some of these things that, for me, that happen in the Bible, and you, like, think about it, like, what? And you go, and it's, like, it's medically proven. Like, I've got nasty pictures on Google. I don't recommend it kind of like looks weird but um it happened you know there was this like level of trust so uh why why was he so uh in so much anguish he was he knew what where he was going and it wasn't the cross that was probably troubling him the most it was the fact you know that he was going to endure the wrath of god on behalf of the people uh his people and there was going to be a some sort of separation there between him and the Father. Um, yeah, I mean, this is cosmic, like 
beyond anything we can imagine what was going on. I mean, they were in perfect harmony for, for all of eternity. Yeah. And now that's now not only is that going to be broken, but it's going to be crushed. It's going to be, you know, he's is, he is going to feel the wrath of God the Father on him. Do they become um, separated at the point of drinking the cup of wrath? Is there a separation of the Father and Son? In some sense. Yeah, I, I try to be careful with that. Yeah, I mean... You, you, there, there's a point you can reach where you have a broken trinity. Mm -hmm. um, and, and even a sense in which you say God died were just not appropriate because God is immortal. Um, so I, I'd so, have to be so concise sense, with the language. He, I mean, he course, said, yeah. my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? He, right. Yes. So, I mean, there is definitely... But sometimes, we, like, especially if you're debating with people, they don't want to leave any room for mystery. Right. They don't want to leave any room for, like, as if somehow we are have the ability to understand things beyond our ability to understand what, what exactly that means. So, no, he didn't stop being God, right? He's, he maintained his... He's always... God maintain his deity. Well, he never countered equality with the Father as something, something to be grasped. grasped. Right, something to hang on to. Um, but, on the other hand, on some, to some degree or in some way, there was some kind of separation. There was some kind of what's the word? Not abandonment, but some kind of uh, disfellowship of some sort. Something happened. Something yes. happened. He, I mean, he was imputing every sin of every believer on him imputing it to his account and punishing, punishing him. him for it i mean he he did he, when he drank the cup um there was there was not not just natural reluctance but divine reluctance in a sense right um yeah I, there's a mystery to that and and since i've got can i just can i make one comment i started yeah, you gotta here. you gotta bounce here yeah so i i was just gonna say when when looking when when michael sent the agenda on you know holy week and all the events that transpired the first thing that came to mind to me is that the the union the believer has with christ that we participated in some sense in his life we are credited with his works everything he did said thought is on our account of righteousness and when he died we died with him and that's one way God can count us legally dead to sin. Right. And when he was buried, we were buried with him right. through baptism. And again, that's another topic. And then we raised with him through the resurrection. But that's, I think there are a lot of implications that, that um, the New Testament epistles, particularly Paul, exposits for us when talking about our union with Christ related to the events in Christ's life. Right. Yeah, I mean, Romans so, Romans 6, uh, I'll, I'll just read a, a section of it real quick because um, we're going to hit on it on Sunday, but really good. Romans 6, uh, even the first four verses are good, but I'll read 5 through 11 um, for us real fast. Uh, for if we have been united, remember, for if, so if you're a believer, for if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self is crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For uh, one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live like him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer um, 
has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So this tells us, um, one, commands us to the act of obedience, which we've been called to live through the process of sanctification, being changed and continually conformed into his likeness. Um, but also, uh, we know that we too will raise. Uh, so death um, and sin really have no dominion over us right. um, anymore. So I mean, he goes on, therefore, don't let sin reign over your body. Right. But really good. Is that sufficient enough for you, Mark? Thank you, okay. Mark. Thanks. Appreciate that. Mark had to go, everybody. He has <laughs> a real job. Mark left. Um, and then, so we've talked about the crucifixion, really. We got into it kind of out of the garden, just went straight into it. Uh, then the resurrection Sunday, what we're going to be celebrating. If you're listening to this before resurrection Sunday, Easter, um, we approach this day, a very, uh, solemn, but triumphal day. Um, I love one of the most interesting things to me is that the gospels account for, um, the mischief of the guards. Yeah. Go and tell no one. Right. Don't, don't tell, like, tell them like. Well, there was like a lie that they told him to tell. Like he was taken in the night, or like, do you remember the exact wording of that? That they told the guards? I just remember, don't tell them anything. Just don't tell them anything. That was it. Um, so they didn't want like people to know that Jesus got out. Like, all right, well, his body's not there. Like, don't say anything. Like, don't let this get out. They should have been killed. Like, that's that's why the guards were worried. Oh, for like, sure. For screwing the pooch there. Yeah, like, no, that, that was a death penalty thing right there, of all things. Like, imagine, I think it's interesting that they felt the need to even, to guard the tomb. Why would you guard a tomb? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, they, they isn't knew. is awesome? Like, they even, though, something even was though they were guarding, it they couldn't stop it. No, right. But yeah. the enemy man will try and suppress the truth. I mean, like, you see it there in, like, the, the silencing of the guards. Like, don't let anybody know. Like, we, we want this thing to be done with. We had him killed. Um, we do not need any more funny business. Right. But God couldn't be stopped. Right. That's so good. I don't know if you have any like closing remarks, but... Well, I if you want to talk real quick, just for a minute or two, as to how we know any of this is real. How do, is this just... You know, every religion has their myths. Every religion has their things. You know, the phoenix rising from the ashes and all these different things. History accounts for it. Yeah. We, so so we're, we're, I'll go ahead and announce. We're, we're getting ready to start Acts after, the week after Easter... And I'm super pumped. But like what you see is like there's this account. Actually, Paul might even talk about it in um, 1 Corinthians 15. Like that mm -hmm. Jesus up in his resurrected body appears to like 500 people. Mm -hmm. Like this wasn't like, um, you know, Jesus came down to the cigar lounge with the apostles. And like they, they had drank a little bit too much wine right. and might have seen something. Uh, no, he Jesus 500. publicly appeared to people after his, his right. death with holes in his hands. Like... Now, follow this, okay? What if, okay, there's four of us left here. There's Ben, Jeremy, me, and Michael. And we come up with this idea that we're going to create a religion, okay? And we are going to be the leaders of this religion. And so there's obvious uh, benefits to doing this, right? Not only religious benefits you know people will start giving and tithing to us and we can, and we'll be at the front of the spear we'll be right there we'll be the ones that are we'll be the holy men we'll be the ones that are you know the ones that are the respected ones and so forth not only that but remember there was a lot of politics that was going on at that time like we maybe we could be the ones to overthrow 
the Roman government and so forth. There's all kinds of benefits to this happening, right? So we come up with this plan that we're going to do this. We're going to have this story that we saw Jesus alive afterwards, right? So it all starts going out real well until people start getting arrested. So this is rolling backwards on us. Not only are they being arrested, but they're being beaten. They're being uh, then eventually start getting Martyrs, killed, yeah. right? So now we're now we're we've lost all of our land. Our family hates us. Um, we are mocked, maligned. We ran out of the temple. We have we have nothing. We're we're almost destitute. The only thing we city gets destroyed. Later. Have yeah, right. I mean, it's right. bad. Everything is so bad, and these guys to the point of death would not recant what they had said that they saw Jesus alive. Now you have to ask yourself, why would they do that? Now, lots of people will die for something they truly believe. Right? Muslims do this all the time. On 9-11, those hijackers believed that what they were doing was of God and that they, they were convinced I mean, think about it. They flew planes and killed themselves. Convinced that they would be received into paradise, have their 72 virgins and all the rest of it, right? They were convinced of that because they were taught that, right? Somebody sat them down when they were little kids, explained this to them. Whoever taught that person taught that, you know, this is tradition. This is what we are taught. And so, quote unquote, by faith, we believe it. We, we accept it, right? That was not the case with those apostles or those 500. This was not something that they were taught that was, was meaningful to them because grandpa taught me this. This is the way I was raised. I would die for it. That's not what they did. No. They had, they knew for a fact they either are telling the truth or they're telling a lie. Now you can continue with the lie if things are going well. But if they are marching you to a cross okay and your friends and family some of them are being killed or have been killed are you going to continue with this lie right. when you're being told all you have to do is recant all you have to do is say you made this up and all of this stops why would you ever do that for something you know for a fact you made up you, who would do that? No one. Not only would, was it one person. That's another thing. You mentioned about the 500 uh, that saw him. Muhammad claims to have seen an angel in some cave somewhere. No one else but Muhammad saw this angel, right? It wasn't just a testimony of one person. I saw Jesus. You're talking about hundreds of people who suffered and almost all of them died miserably. And they wouldn't recant it. I think that is probably the strongest argument. And that's not in dispute either. This is stuff that we know through history, not just in the Bible. Right. Right. It's not like, okay, the Bible says that they believe that they said this. No, history teaches us this as well. There were unbelieving Jews, like the enemies of the church, were writing about why they were doing this to these Christians because of what they were saying. So I have no doubt, and I hope everyone listening here has no doubt. Jesus walked out of that tomb and there were eyewitnesses who saw him walk out of the tomb and they almost, almost all of them died miserable deaths along with their families without recanting it. Yeah, I mean, you run into Acts 4 
again, after the healing we talked about earlier with the apostles and the lame beggar, um, in verse 15 and on, but when they had commanded them to leave the council of Peter and John, they conferred with one another saying, what shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Literally, so everybody in Jerusalem knew of this. They saw it, and we cannot deny it, it says. But in order that it spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in his name. Warn them. And then they go on to threaten them. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Right. And they were further threatened, um, and then they left. Everyone was praising God, and um, they, they got away that time. John is the only one I know that like keeps getting away, like burned. Right. He got boiled. Yes. Like his whole body. Um, in oil. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, it's terrible. But so Terrible. It is terrible. I mean, it really... But... I just want folks to be encouraged that this is not wishful thinking and this is not, okay, this is my religion, this is kind of what we believe. No, this was a historical event that took place and it validates absolutely everything else. That Je- you know, if Jesus walked out of that tomb, then that validates everything else that he said about himself and about reality and so forth. So we're celebrating on Easter a historical event that took place. Like, I mean, could you imagine if Jesus' body was just gone? Right. And nothing would have happened? Right. Then we'd look into the Bible and be like, what's going on here? Right. It's just another holy book. It's another, yeah, it's just another way of living. His body's gone. It's a good mystery. But we're dealing with with reality. And no one, I've watched many debates of scholars and so forth. There is no one, the, the trick, the thing that, the corner that they get painted into is that they can't deny that those Christians said they saw him. That's not in dispute. By anybody. It's not like, oh, that's a myth that came a couple hundred years later. Nobody believed that then. No, no, no. We know for a fact that they did. We can read their writings, not just the biblical writings. That didn't happen hundreds of years later. You know what I mean? Like the writings didn't happen. No, no, no. We know for a fact. So you can go to non-Christian sources and read about the testimony of what these people were saying, right? So that's a tough corner to get painted in. Because you can't answer the question, why did they do that? Unless it was true. Unless it was true. And it is. And we're going to celebrate it on Sunday. Invite somebody you don't know to come. We would love to have them. Again, we have two services starting this Sunday, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. I'd invite you to join us for our prayer on the square uh, service. Um, It's going to be a good time. It'll be a short... 7 a.m. At 7 a.m. That'll be a short devotion up at the gazebo um, and some time praying for our community, for all the other churches, that the gospel would be faithfully proclaimed and that God would draw people to himself on such a um, such a good day. I mean, just really a, a beautiful day even for secular people who get up and maybe think they're just going to hear the same message. But um, we just hope that uh, and pray that God would um, use that day uh, to draw people to himself. Uh, it's going to be a good one. We're really looking forward to worshiping with you. And of course, we hope that this podcast helped you to put Jesus in the perspective. If you have any questions about this episode or about a relationship with Jesus, please email us at engage at newhilloh.com and we will reach out to you and answer your questions however we can. Church, this week, go and honor God in all that you do. Observe the things he's commanded. Provide to the needs of others and extend the offer that's been extended to you. We'll see you Sunday. Peace. Boom.